This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. For three weeks in a row, the Browns have overachieved. The Browns played way better than we expected them to. But unlike the last two weeks, this week, the Browns, instead of finding a way to win, they found a way to lose. This is the bullpen with Adam the Bull. I, of course, am Adam the Bull. I got a lot to get to off a brutal Browns loss. I say brutal, but I think most of us, myself included, expect the Browns to lose. It's not that they lost. It's how they lost. It was just absolutely brutal. And this podcast, of course, is brought to you by Bet Rivers. 24-20 Seattle, the final. We'll dive into all of it. Coming up next, right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. So as we all know, the last two weeks, as I said before, the Browns would find a way to win. Despite losing the turnover battle week after week, in the, in the Niner game two weeks ago, the defense played great. Last week, the defense did not play great, but they forced a bunch of turnovers and found a way late to win it. They got lucky with some calls the last couple of weeks. The Niners missing a field goal two weeks ago. The Browns making some long field goals. But this week, when it looked like the Browns were going to find a way to get again to pull one out, they could not. Let's go back to the first quarter. In At the end of the first quarter, I'm sure we all thought the Browns were going to get blown out in this game. Seattle had their way with the Browns' defense. Seattle, in their first three drives of the game, had a touchdown, a touchdown, and a field goal. On those three drives, they went 80-41 following a fumble by P.J. Walker, and we'll get to him in a minute and then 62 yards for a field goal. So 183 yards on their first three drives. The Browns did get one back once it was uh, 14-0. They scored a touchdown on a four-play drive for 75 yards. So at the end of one, it was 17-7. But the Browns' defense clamped down after that. Browns got a touchdown in the second quarter. They kicked two field goals in the third quarter, and that put them up 20-17. to Meanwhile, the Seahawks' defense offense, which was moving great through the first quarter, first quarter, couldn't do anything. After that, in the second quarter, they punt three plays, punt, three plays, punt, seven plays, interception, that was the, the story of the night. A lot of interceptions in this game. The Seahawks punted in their first possession in the second half. Geno Smith was picked off again early in the second half. By the way, that late first half interception by Geno Smith was a good – it was a drive where the Seahawks were moving the ball. I mean, they were in field goal range there. And then it continued that way. The Seahawks punted again and punted again. 
And then when the Browns had a chance to seal the deal late, up 20 to 17 in the fourth quarter, Kevin's and listen, there has been probably no bigger defender the last two years than me of Kevin Stefanski. And Kevin Stefanski deserves a ton, ton, ton of credit. I can't say that enough. But I don't understand throwing the ball in this situation. Folks, if you know me, you know I don't talk about play calling very often. I think it's generally stupid to complain about play call. You could always complain about any play call. It doesn't work. So I almost never do it. But. The Browns, they, it wasn't like the Browns were killing the Raven, the Seahawks in the run, but they were doing enough. They were consistently moving the chains. The three running backs all contributed. They averaged about four yards a carry. It was just enough. The Browns got the ball on this last drive after the Seahawks had the punt at their own 11-yard line. There was still uh, about six minutes I want to say left in the game, roughly, when the Browns got the ball. Yeah, it was 546. They ran it three, four plays in a row. Okay? Four plays in a row. They're looking at a third and three at the 29. Now, with at that point, there was 334 to go. So at that point, I understand the Browns passed on third and three at the 29. Now you might say, well, Bull, you're being a hypocrite. Why are you complaining about the final pass they threw when you're not complaining about the pass they threw at third and three at the 29? And this is why. This is the big difference here. At third and three at the 20 at their own 29, there was still a lot of time left in this game. There was 334 to go on the clock. Okay. Now, with when they so they get the first down, they get a lucky break, uh, legal use of hands. It was an incomplete pass, so they were able to get the first down. I shouldn't say lucky break; it was a good call. It was not like last week where they got the benefit of a bad call. So they run two plays. PJ Walker goes for two yards, and then Pierre Strong goes five yards. So they're looking at a third and three. The Browns call a timeout. With 2.04 to go in the in the fourth quarter. Now, this is a very smart decision by Kevin Stefanski to call this timeout because it gave them A, a chance to to set up the play that they wanted to have, right? It gave them that opportunity. And it also what it did was with 2.04 to go, it allowed them to keep the offense guessing, or the defense guessing, right? Would the Browns run? Would the Browns pass? Now, in my mind, there was no doubt they were going to run the ball. No doubt. Because, you know, because you got it down to the, it's down to the two-minute warning. So even if you don't get the first down, you punt, and the Seahawks would have to go, you know, you had the ball at the 40-yard line. You're probably burying them down at their own 20, and they would have no timeouts. And they would have had a long way to go in that situation. As opposed to with four minutes to go, there's plenty of time. So 
I didn't – in that situation, it was stunning to me that Kevin Stefanski chose to throw the ball in that situation with a very shaky quarterback who's already turned the ball over twice. Again, remember, Seattle, by that point, was out of timeouts. And it was down to the two-minute warning after that play. You knew it was going to be no matter what happened. And you'd been running the ball effectively. If you run the ball on third and three, third and three at the 41, the worst I mean, obviously you could fumble. Uh, less likely to fumble than a P.J. Walker interception. But unless there's a fumble, worst case scenario is probably the Seahawks get it after a punt and you're punting after the two-minute warning so they don't get to get saved by the two-minute warning and they start at their own 20-yard line. That's probably the best, the worst-case scenario there. Whereas a pass with a quarterback that has turned the ball over a zillion times between his starts here at Cleveland, his starts in Carolina, the guy has been an absolute turnover machine, is a way too risky play. And I just don't buy that you're any more likely to get a first down on third and three with him as quarterback versus running the ball. And if you get the first down running the ball, then the game's over. Unfortunately, we all know what happened. He throws the pick. Seattle gets it. Now, this doesn't take the defense off the hook. More on that in a second. Get extra value this football season with Bet Rivers Squares. Win up to $10,000 in bonus money. Bet $10 in same-game parlays on any game with the squares icon to earn a square. So you may think I'm putting all of this game on Kevin Stefanski's decision there, in my opinion, a bad one. Or I'm putting it all on P.J. Walker, and P.J. Walker stinks. We're going to get to that in a minute. Although, besides the turnovers, and it's a big besides, but he played a little better in this game. Um, overall. But the defense still had a chance to win this game. And the Browns defense, which was awful in the first quarter, and then great for the, for the, the next 43 minutes, fell apart in the final two minutes. And as much as we know, this is on the, you know, the defense played well overall. But if you want to be this all-time great championship-level defense, you got to find a way. You got to find a way to stop. You have to find a way to stop the Seahawks. And they could not. They did from the second quarter on. But after the interception, Seattle still had to move the ball. Remember, it was a three-point game. And Seattle started the drive at their own 43. So there was no guarantee Seattle was going to score. Two minutes left. No timeouts. Uh, so the defense had a chance to say, okay, our offense put us in a tough spot again. But we're going we're gonna to make up for it. And instead, they collapsed in that final drive. Geno Smith, who had been awful, awful since the first quarter. Seven yards to lock it. 
nine yards to Metcalf, 27 yards to Noah Font, who hadn't done much all day, incomplete pass, and then a touchdown to Jackson Smith and Jigba, who did most of the work. It was a screen pass, and, and the Browns defense collapsed. This game wasn't over. Again, even if you would have held them for a field goal, you still could have gotten this game to overtime. The Browns did get it back with 38 seconds left, and they couldn't do anything with it. Out on downs. But what? it's a heartbreaking loss. Now, again, you know, going into this game, if you would have told me the Browns were going to lose 24-20, I would have said, hey, hard-fought game, what are you going to do? And overall, big picture, the Browns are still in good shape. Uh, we'll talk about the rest of the division in a minute. But four and three is right there. But but you had a chance to get a third straight, find a way to win, win. Find a way to win, gamma win. And you couldn't get it done. Both units had a chance to put it away. The offense had a chance to put it away. And Kevin Stefanski and P.J. Walker failed them on the last play. The defense had a chance to put it away after that turnover. And they couldn't. They gave up a touchdown. The defense gets no pass. The defense has not played great. The defense has allowed 62 points the last two weeks. Now, some of that's on the offense not being good enough. But if I would have told you that the Browns were going <clears> to <throat> score 20 today, you would have said, I think they have a good chance to win. I didn't think they were going to score 20 points in this game. They did. The offense at times did a decent job. Now, a couple things here. I know every time the Browns lose, we get the people who want to fire Kevin Stefanski. That's ludicrous, and I agree. And I, I know your your argument's going to be he cost him the game. He didn't cost him the game. He made he made a bad decision, in my opinion. But there is certainly, you know, you could certainly make an argument for throwing there. I don't agree with it, but you can make it. Overall, the way this team has played with heart and guts and fight with a terrible quarterback, with a, a beyond limited offense right now, has been impressive. So even though this ends in heartbreak, the fire Stefanski people should shut the hell up because you're going to sound like an idiot when you say it. You think you're smart, you're not. Kevin Stefanski is a solid NFL coach. He's not great. He's not an idiot. Uh, I'm not firing him. Certainly not firing him right now. Um, it's a bad loss, and he takes a little blame for that play call. But if the defense makes a stop, the Browns win this game. And the defense didn't do their job well enough either. I thought going into that, I mean, I thought for most of the game, you could have said Kevin Stefanski was having a brilliant performance as a coach. I thought the play calling overall was on point. The use of three different running backs was great. I really, really like what I saw from Pierre Strong. I was saying all week I wanted to see more of him. He had 10 carries for 41 yards. He was very effective. Kareem Hunt, Pierre Strong, Jerome Ford. 14, 10, and 9 carries between them. They did their job. Amari Cooper made some nice catches in this one. David Njoku had a great day. Great play for that touchdown. Four for 71, 77 and a touchdown. Pierre Strong had 82 uh, yards total, including a nice 41-yard catch and run on 11 touches. He he had a great game. Um, 
As for the defense, Miles Garrett had a big sack on the second to last drive, but overall, uh, it, it didn't feel like he had a major impact in this game. He had one sack, one tackle for a loss. Two tackles total, one quarterback hit. Uh, it just wasn't a great performance overall. It was uh, the interception that um, Martin Emerson had was a great play. And really, both interceptions because Maurice Hurst, who's been a great find. I love the move when the Browns signed Maurice Hurst. I think the guy had been really good in San Francisco before getting hurt. He, for a guy that big, 300 pounds, to tip a ball up in the air and make a diving catch, pretty impressive. And again, Martin Emerson just continues to uh, shine. They lost Greg Newsom to injury. Uh, Cameron Mitchell almost had a pick six. That would have been big. That would have been big. But uh, in the end, the Browns, instead of finding a way to win, find a way to lose. As for the quarterback, we've talked about him a little bit. P.J. Walker made more good throws this week than he has the first two weeks. But in the end, it was far from good enough. 15 of 31, 248. 248's fine. One touchdown, two picks, a fumble. Uh, it was terrible. Uh, he's not He's not good enough. And the Browns should either turn to Dorian Thompson-Robinson next week, but what they really should do is something we talked about all last week, and I will continue to talk about this week, make a trade. Normally, I put out a podcast on Tuesday morning. This week, I'm going to wait till Tuesday afternoon after the trade deadline to see if the Browns do something because they could use a running back. They could use a wide receiver, but they need most of all a veteran quarterback. P.J. Walker almost cost him games the last couple of weeks, and this week he cost him the game or was part of the, the, the part of costing them the game, a big part of it. Again, the defense had their opportunity and failed in the end. But he's not good enough. And this Browns team is really good. The defense is good. They can run the ball. The offensive line's playing better. They need a better quarterback. Go get Jacoby. Go get Dalton. Kirk Cousins out the window. It looks like he tore his ACL, to, uh, his um, Achilles today. Terrible injury. Elsewhere in the division. Bengals beat the Niners 31-17. It certainly looks like Joe Burrow's back. He was 28-32 today, 283, three touchdowns, no picks. The Bengals' offense was on point against the Niners, who have lost three in a row. And Joe Mixon at his best game also, 16-87 of 87 for a touchdown. Jamar Chase, 10 for 100, and a touchdown there. Uh, Pittsburgh, I had Jacksonville winning their fifth straight, and they did five, uh, five in a row, 4-0 on the road. They beat Pittsburgh 20 to 10. Mitch Trubisky takes over for Kenny Pickett, who got hurt. Neither guy played well. Uh, and the Steelers couldn't run. 18 carries for 70 yards. Trevor Lawrence had a good game for Jacksonville, threw for 292. And the Jags are rolling, so the, at least the Steelers lost. Well, the other two teams won. Bengals win, and the Ravens not having much of a time of a hard time with Arizona. Got a little weird at the end with some onside kicks, but in the end, the Ravens win it 31-24, to and they lead the division. So where we stand right now, the Ravens are in first in the north, the only division where every team is over 500. I mean, it's 
by no, you know the 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 other last place teams are two and six, three and five, two and four, two and six, two and five, one and six, and one and seven. The AFC North, the Ravens are six and two, the Browns, the Bengals, and the Steelers are all four and three. Pretty impressive. Brown's got to bounce back. They open at Bet Rivers as a seven and a half point favorite. Back home against the Arizona Cardinals. Could Kyler Murray make his 2023 debut in that game? I will be out tailgating along with Mikey McNuggets and G. Bush. We'll be out at the Muni lot partying with all of you, hoping to get the Browns back on track next Sunday. Thanks to everybody for joining me as always. Uh, by the way, kind of one other thing before I wrap it up. The Chiefs losing to the Broncos today was wild. The Chiefs were awful. They couldn't do anything offensively. So I tell you, it's just weird. Everybody's got at least two losses, except for the Eagles at 7-1. and one, And everybody's got at least two wins, except for the Panthers at 1-6, and six, who got their first win, and the Cardinals at 1-7. and seven. It's pretty close. A lot of bunched-up teams. It's going to be a fun battle to the end. All right, thanks to, to Monzo and Max for producing. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening. I'll talk to you next time on Tuesday, right after the trade deadline and all week on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. This has been The Bullpen with Adam the Bull. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network.